In Sex After, we are getting raw and honest about the most challenging aspects of sex, intimacy, and relationships after seismic change. This is Amy Marks. We're having intimate and unfiltered conversations with people who've been through life-altering experiences, and I'm finding out what sex and intimacy are like for them in the after. We're getting naked physically and getting naked emotionally. This is Sex After. Welcome back to part two of Sex After Infertility and Grief with my guests, Mina Starziak-Hawk and Steve Hawk. In this episode, we explore how trauma resides in the body and the importance of health and fitness for our mental state. We talk about the different love languages and attachment styles and how communication is key for all our relationships. Mina and Steve are so open, so authentic, and it was such a joy and honor to have this time with them. We're picking up where we left off with Mina talking about blocking trolls on social media. Things that come out of people's mouths is amazing to me. And just at like in the last year, I just turned 39. I have really embraced blocking people. Because before it was this competition, again, just with myself, I'm not competing with anyone else. No one even knows there's a competition, but I'm like, I want as many followers and I want to break the hundred thousand. I want to break the 200,000. And now, and I wouldn't block anyone. So like, then it'd be one less follower. And I'm like, block, block, delete, block, block. Uh uh-uh, don't need that. And it's, it's been enlightening. (laughs) How often a day do you block? Oh, anytime I get on my phone, probably. Really? Like, again, I don't like. It, it'll mainly, it's if, if we're bored or like, you know, going to the bathroom, sitting at a, a red light. Um, and I, I try to be as engaged in my messages as I can um, to like respond to people. And so I, I go through a lot of messages to try to get the ones that actually are, have any meaning right. and I won't even respond. It'll just be some cranky Karen whose picture is a turtle and she has one post saying, something rude about something. And I just, it, it's so quick now, whereas before it would have, you know, you get a hundred compliments and one nasty thing and all you're going to remember is the nasty thing. Isn't that great? Like, what is it about us that it's, we can't hold on? Like human beings. for punishment. It's just amazing as human beings. So, so now I just go through and I block. And, and anytime I post something that's controversial, it's a great, it really kind of gets into all the little cracks and crevices and the Karens come out and I get to block 20 of them. And I'm like, okay, if you don't know how to behave here, then you don't get to be here. Go right. troll someone else. Right. Troll someone else. I'm taking this back a little bit to um, resilience and all the trauma that lives in your body. Because, uh, Steve, I just started following Hawk Fit. I saw. Oh, you did? You saw oh, yeah. He asked me this morning. He was like, are was we? last night. He was like, are we? Um, is the gal's name Amy Marks? And I was like, yeah. Why? He said, she just started following Hawk Fit. I did. I did. How you and- those two together? I don't know. I did, and and we're going to talk because I want to talk to you about your program. But I have, this is my question for you because this is my belief and I'm curious if you feel the same way. I really believe that trauma resides in the body. Oh, 100%. That no matter what we go through, we can, because believe me, I've been to therapy, all of that. I, I can talk about things till I'm blue in the face, but my body holds on to that crap. Even if I think I worked through it, 
all of a sudden my body can just go into panic over certain things. And I'm curious your take on that. Oh, yes, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, the, the, the body and the brain are connected. Um, when my phone rings, I guess no, no one ever calls anyone anymore. So if I, if I, if I call him, if my phone rings, somebody's dead. Yes. Cause it's happened three times. So you, so you get that. So yeah, that hundred percent every 100%. time my phone rings and especially if it's a close friend or Mina, you know, if it's, if, if it's like a unknown number or it says spam nowadays, I don't, my, my body doesn't have like that visceral reaction, but if Mina calls me, I'm just prepared for, I, I've been in a car accident and, you know. I do. I do. Yeah. So what do you think? Because how long ago did you get into nutrition and fitness? Um, Technically, probably five five years ago, like starting um, school was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. But I've always been into it. I just I've always been more into the fitness than the than the nutrition. Mm -hmm. And then I realized that you can't. You got to have both. So once I got more into the nutrition aspects, is when I started seeing changes in my body. So, um, but. I've been licensed for three years. And do you feel that, um, I mean, if question for you too, cause I know if I'm having a really, really hard day, the thing that helps me the most hundred percent is, is working out. Yeah. I mean, that's why I did my workout after we had our therapy session, it would have been so much easier not to, mm -hmm. and to, sit on the couch or lay on the bed or um, stand around, that would have been easy. But I wanted to get those endorphins going, work, well, up, work up a bit. And I don't know the, you know, the, the brain chemistry around it, but it, it's, it, there's, there's research behind like physically moving your body helps your brain move forward. Like, yeah. you know, there's walking desks at work, like, move your body, your brain's going to process better. For me, uh, like if, if there's something really hard, like I need to put headphones in, zone out, and I walk. I like do, I'm not paying attention to where I'm going. I'm on autopilot, but I'm moving. Yeah. Because like when your body is just stuck, then everything else gets stuck. And it's really hard to get unstuck. I think that's why for so many people, it's hard to kind of take that first step because it's not easy. It's like, you know, I've been doing the same thing of nothing for so long. Um, and it takes a while to feel the benefits, I think, of having your body actively moving and putting good things in your body. And, you know, again, we're just in a world that's so used to like immediate gratification and I can take a pill for this and I, you know, whatever for this, that you have to do a lot of work is not something that, you know, people really want to do. But I've been in phases in my life, 100% where I've been you know, working out five days a week, doing really, really great. And then for whatever reason, you know, a long sickness, like sometimes I get sick and I'm sick for like a month. And I don't know what's wrong with me. Or, you know, after uh, the baby was born and I didn't work out for so long, like getting back on that wagon has been really hard. 
And I know a, I notice a very, very dramatic difference in my sleep patterns and my energy and like my mental state when like, I don't want to get up and work out every day, but I like who I am so much less when I'm not doing that because I'm more stressed. I'm not sleeping well. I'm more anxious, like all these things that it just, to me, the benefit is, it's just oh, huge. Yeah. And some people have never felt it. So they don't realize like the difference that it can actually feel when you're in a good state because a lot of like Americans were just wildly unhealthy. Um, so people are just used to kind of living in that crummy state and just think it's normal. My grief counselor, every time we meet, um, just about every two weeks, the first thing she always asks is, are you, are you still working out? And part of me wants to be like, I mean, doesn't it look like I work out? <laughs> oh, hello. Does it, does it look hello. like I'm not? But You clearly need to wear tighter clothes what, to grief that's counseling. Exactly what, right. that's, that's my like, in my head, but I, what she's asking is, are you doing, are you checking the boxes Yeah. yeah. and working out is like, if you see it, if you have like hypertension or whatever, some sort of ailments and you go to a, a GP uh, and they don't ask you how often you're working out, find a new GP. Go to a new GP. I, I agree with you on that. So how does all of this and the grief and everything you've experienced, besides how does it affect you emotionally, how does it affect you intimately? I think we've probably, we've been married almost eight years, eight years this next year, um, known each other 10 or 11. And we've definitely had these very different kind of phases in our relationship that fluctuate, I think, the level of intimacy. And I think the best thing we've, or at least I feel like we've figured out is just being able to talk about it, which is really hard. Um, I mean, even when he was getting his testosterone injections, I'm like, you on a regular day are a very active human being. Like, this is a lot. <laughs> and me, I, like, there's been so much so many stressful things on both of our sides. But for me, like I just hunker down, I work, I don't think about anything outside of it. And that's like my protective mechanism, which doesn't allow for a lot of intimacy. Mm -hmm. And particularly in this last year, there's been a lot of like really, really hard and stressful things. And just our, even our, you know, love languages and attachment styles are very different. And so understanding the differences and trying to like, still like Steve would love to cuddle and touch all day long. And I'm like, I like to cuddle for a minute, then I need some space. And so figuring out a way to do that and still make sure he's feeling loved and I'm getting what I needed is it's just like an ongoing process. I feel like all the time. Yeah. I think like Mina said, communication is key. Um, her love language has changed more times than I can count. <laughs> well, why would you over say that? the last, we've almost been together eleven years. Yeah. It's, what did it start with when you first? Um. Met? Uh, the give me the, give me the gifts one. <laughs> give me all the gifts. What's that one? Uh, What's that? Like. I think there's acts of service. No, I know that. Touch. But I'm trying to think of the other one. 
There is one about giving gifts. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. 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 That she, I think probably in the last, probably when we had Jack, our, our, our five-year-old, I think she kind of let go of like materialist, you know, like I don't need to be given gifts anymore. Now it's, um, Apparently there's new love there's languages. New ones. Which made up new ones. Oh, there's I new think, languages? Yeah. I think it's kind of BS. You can't just add on to that. I mean, if we're being really honest, like my love language is just not love. Like I just am not emotional. I'm not I'm not touchy feely. I'm not like I have to work very hard to maintain emotional connections with friends, with family. I mean it's we love each other very much and we have a great relationship and it doesn't come easy for me to this sounds like a dick thing to say but to like be thoughtful I'm just like so tunnel vision and so there are certain things that we do and if we don't do them like someone is in trouble and we are pissed like we all like before you leave a room you give him a kiss like even if I'm going to the bathroom like if I get up and pass him and don't give him a kiss like those are fighting words um People ask all the time, like, why do you guys kiss three times? It's because it means I love you. And Steve's mm-hmm. mom did that and, like, squeezed his hand three times. So we do that with the kids. Um, so there are some things like that that are, like, that are our norms, that are little things that we don't even talk about, but that those just happen regularly and express, like, the emotion and the love. But I'm definitely not the one. Like, it was it was my birthday on Sunday, and Steve's birthday was a couple weeks ago. Oh, happy birthday. And- Thank you. And so he got me a card and he's like, where are the 99 cent cards anymore? All the cards are $9. And I know you don't give a shit about cards and you're going to throw it away. And I had to waste $9 on this card. Isn't it wild how expensive? I am so with you on that. (laughs) I have to tell you, I went to, I'm not going to say the name of the store. Yeah. And I was like, I find myself like turning the cards over and I'm like, I'm like, which is, you know, forget which one I like, which one is like under like $6.99. And they're, and they're, Nothing special. It's just no. a car. It doesn't have Not any like butterflies all. that pop out of it. I have seen <laughs> no, those. that would be twenty five dollars. Yeah, yeah, that would be twenty five to thirty. It's a yeah. regular Hallmark card. But I, like for Steve, that the act of the birthday card is more important than any gift I could give him. Mm. For me, I'm like, I don't give a, I don't want to. Now I just have to keep the card because it's important to you. Right <laughs> it's over there right on the there. counter. And like now we can joke about it, but like that's very much our our difference. Right. Um and. So, like, on his birthday, I didn't get him a cake. Bitch forgot my cake. I didn't forget a cake. I didn't forget a cake. No, you just didn't. I was like, why would I buy him a whole cake for his birthday? He's going to be annoyed because he's a, you know, physical freak. And so, no, I didn't get him a cake. I got him a card, though. And I was like, damn it. All right. <laughs> Next year, a card and cake. You Next year, he gets a cake. Next year, you got to do both. It was, eight, was, it was like 830 at night, and I was like, so. You were literally sitting on the couch, and he goes, it, so no cake? Is there no cake? And I was like, huh? So, you know, that for half a second was like, okay, we got to have this conversation. Like I did not, I, it didn't cross my mind. Um, I pulled a lot of friends and they were all like, I've never not gotten a cake. (laughs) (laughs) I pulled a lot of friends. Well, now you know, Mina, now you you know, now you have a year to get the cake. Yes. Now I know to get the cake, but it's just like little things like that because we're very different. We were raised so differently how we like interacted with our parents, you know, emotional relationships so differently how our comfort levels of relying on other people very different like I am most comfortable as an island where I rely on no one and no one relies on me and that's just not conducive to like a healthy loving marriage but over time I know that 
I think right now Mina runs three businesses. Yeah. I mean, at one point it was like five and I didn't get it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, what do you mean you're not in the mood? Like it, you know, it's Friday night and, uh, you know, whatever. And, and I get it now because now I own my own business and your brain never, and my brain off. just does not stop. And probably similar to you. Like you're, you're probably always like thinking like, like this, right? Ten guests, oh, it never it. stops. Yeah. It never, yeah. it never, it never stops. It never stops. And I gotta just have... the physiological difference, getting my brain to stop and redirect way harder than getting his brain to stop and redirect. Um, just because he's a boy and he has yeah, a penis just, and it's easier. Yeah. But <laughs> so, I think that over the last probably year or so, I've been like more understanding, like hundred percent. Um, I can, I can see it in her face when she's like in the zone, like at where we are now, I'm like, man, if the house were to catch on fire, I'm not sure if she would (laughs) even notice. She'd still do her work. I woke up two days ago at one o'clock and just never went back to bed because once my brain starts, I even tried to drug it. I gave it melatonin. It was like, "Uh uh-uh, not working. You're up all day. But I also admire that about her, her, her drive and her will. And she's probably one of the smartest people that I know. I tell you that all the time. Um, but as far as like the intimacy to, to go back to your question, communication. And that came from Mina being like, look, man, I own fucking five businesses. Yeah. I don't want any dick right now. Okay. <laughs> Chill out. There you go. You know, and I, and I was, it no, took, it took, it took me a little, I'd be like, well, what do you mean? I just got out of the shower. Like, look, Check at it out. Look, at, look at this. And, and unfortunately, not, you know, now that I'm a business owner, I kind of get it. I'm like, yeah, my brain is not thinking about. I think the, the best thing for us long-term is just being able to figure out how to regulate, like talk about it if we need to talk about it, because you know, before we had kids, you know, you, you go out to the bars, you go out to dinner, you can have sex whenever you want, you know, you can sleep in, you can do all these things. And then you have a different life cycle when you have kids and it's, you know, try like, are they asleep? I don't know. Are they going to come in? Like then with the businesses, there's going to be these fluctuations. And then once our kids are old enough that they don't want to hang out with us anymore, like literally the other day, I was like, what are we going to do with ourselves? They were gone this weekend and we did nothing. And so I think it's just going to continue to change like that. And we're just going to continue to have conversations as need be, because it is a super important part of the relationship. And I would say if it's Sunday early morning and I'm working out in the gym and you're still asleep, there's a 98% chance that you're going to text me and be like, stop your workout right now. Oh yeah. Like there's a very high chance. I would Very high chance. (laughs) (laughs) And my, my guess, my guess, Steve, is you will stop that workout. If I don't, if, it, if like, if I don't see the text or whatever, and it's been five minutes, she's like, I'm starting without you. Or, <laughs> I'm starting you know. without you. That's <laughs> oh gosh. I don't know if you dug into, uh, well, most of them are probably deleted, but the whole conversation about sex toys has been very, uh, it helped me block a lot of Karens when I started. Oh wait, was that on your, I, I did go into your Instagram, but I didn't see that. Um, well, I, so I've, I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast. So this all started because we were in Mexico a couple of years ago and there's like the little rose that it was like eh, TikTok viral sensation, $20. And I bought it a few years ago and I was like, 
this is a TikTok sensation for a reason. Mm -hmm. And we took it when we went to Mexico on a vacation. And I did this Insta story because I came back in and the maid had cleaned the room and it was on the side bed table. And I was like, this is awkward. (laughs) And then fast forward, I got a, like a relationship with a company Mm -hmm. and have done a couple posts with them. And when they reached out, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, Again, this is something that like I'm okay with being open about. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Um, We're going to piss a lot of people off, but sure. Uh, So it kind of became a thing. And women women shaming women is is the worst thing. The comments like, your husband must not be doing his job. No. Like just wild stuff. I'm like, y'all need it the most. Because you don't even, they're like, what happened to good old and fill in the blank? And it's just... It's crazy. Or kind of like, I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. Um, Lots of people are disappointed I'm in me. unfollowing you. Um, because you talked about sex toys? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all women. Not that like a dude. Oh, be, yeah. No dudes. No, ever. The, the, just the, in general, dudes just don't. What I get from the dudes is, can you show us how to use it? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm sure. and you're blocked. <laughs> and you're blocked too. Oh, yeah, that's, I think that's kind of funny, but oh yeah, no, it's um, funny. And but dudes don't just like in general. My like my fitness page for Instagram, pretty much everything that comes through is like fitness related, just because the algorithm. Right. It could be a complete stranger, you know, like some college kid or whatever, and I'll comment and be like, "Get it, boy!" You know, like get after <laughs> it. Like I would, you know what I'm saying? Like I would never, ever in a million years think to be like, "You got chicken legs." Yeah, women are, we, we, I don't like, know why we're so awful to each other. Dudes just don't do that. It's, it, but it is. I think that starts like, like young. Super young. Like, like if you look at like junior high, like junior high, which could have been the most painful place ever. My, my daughter is not going through junior high. She's going <laughs> to go elementary school because that's just joyous. Straight to college. And we're going to keep her at home for a few years because it is brutal. I remember my sister. Brutal. We've come home just in tears. Well, and this is what's so weird as a parent, because I'm trying to think about like, okay, so how far back does this shame cycle start? Right. And it's when they're super young, it's got to be, and you're not even thinking about it as a parent. Like girls factually start experimenting with their bodies way before boys, Um, even like Charlie's three. And she like had a toothbrush. And I was like, what are you doing? Oh, you're kidding. Oh, my and gosh. I, and in my head. And so, okay, don't freak out. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? So how do you have these conversations from that young of age? Like, okay, well, we need to keep underwear on. Or, you know, you can have some time it by yourself if you would like some. Like, I, like there's no playbook for it. But it's got to have started from when we were so young to be like, we're ashamed of any bit of sexuality. Whereas boys... You know, I hate this because it's like so woke feminist and I'm not like that, but like boys are, you know, like the first time you have sex, it's this big celebration, whereas girls, it's shameful. And correct. So trying to figure out that as an adult. Also, I rarely on my fitness page, Instagram, I rarely post anything like of me. Like you're not going to find too many like topless photos of me. Mm -hmm. There might be a few scattered in there, but if I do... I'm only looking for dudes' comments. That's it. I don't give a shit what Karen in California has to say. I want that Scott that's like, looking great, dude. That makes me feel good. (laughs) I love that. You know what I mean? Like, when a dude reassures another dude that they look good, that's like, 
Like, yeah, okay, now I've definitely looked good. Right. Now, now I know I look good. Now, <laughs> now, now, yeah. now, I, now I know I look great. So when we, I feel like there's so much, I'd love to have you guys back on again. Yeah. Because there's just so much to talk about. Yeah, we really it's jumped just, all over the place. Like we, and I love that we jumped all over the place, right? It just sort of, I feel like sometimes the conversation goes where it's meant to go. I would like to share everything you express because I think it's so important. And I think, and again, I don't want to make stereotypes or generalizations, but I think if, for me to see a man open up and share their feelings and give themselves permission to cry, I think will be healing for a lot of people because I know a lot of men who, who are unable to go there just Yeah, it makes that kind of makes me sad for men that feel that way. Mm -hmm. uh, and like Mina touched upon earlier, I was just raised different. I was raised by a, a mother and a father that were like... His mom's a nurse, so she's just like natural. Yeah, like if you got to cry, come here, let's cry. Let's cry together. Are you doing that with Jack? Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I think it was last night I was, he was laying on our bed and I was kind of laying with him and just kind of like petting his back, just kind of having a father son moment. And I was getting a little teary eyed just because of my dad and Jack was like, what's he get? He, he, He's, He's very, very emotionally aware. He was like, what's wrong? And I was like, nothing. And he was like, are you sad about your dad? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. And he, and he said something that was really sweet. And I forget what it was. But one time he said, it's okay, dad. He's up in heaven. And he's okay. And like I sure shit didn't teach him that. <laughs> <laughs> and he's okay. Our our, uh, our their first nanny is like family. Her parents are, and they're very. He's a the grandpa's a pastor, so they get a lot of yeah a lot of that from them, which I think is comforting, particularly yeah, at such a young age, because he does like we've not. It's not like Steve leaves the room if he's upset. Like I think it can be scary for kids to see their parents upset or cry. So it's just a matter of them understanding why. And and Jack very much does. Charlie's three and she doesn't really pay attention anyways. She's kind of cold-hearted. Right. She's cold <laughs> But she is. She is. Jack is his son and Charlie is my daughter. Yeah. Okay. Um, but Jack gets it and is very empathetic. And I think. Yeah. Um, probably like a year ago, I kind of do Jack's nighttime routine mostly because I would prefer to. I think there's times where Mina would play like two and, and I'm like, no, nah, that's my thing. Um, and probably like a year ago, nah, maybe less than a year ago, but I started saying as he, as it was like wrapping things up, cause sometimes there's a book, you know, and I would say, I'm proud to be your dad. <laughs> and he, um, for the first, I don't know, like three months or so would say, I love you too. Because he didn't know what to say. He didn't, he was just like, I think that's just a way of my dad. He's saying, I love you. Mm -hmm. And a few months ago, ugh, he said, I'm proud to be your son. And like, 
fucking waterfalls, <laughs> crying. I journaled about it, and then I wrote. We have an email account set up for him that I'll will occasionally email pictures and things, and I I I wrote. I basically like wrote out the whole night. It's a very long email that he'll eventually read, and he says that now to me when I say, "I'm proud to be your dad." And then if you say that to Charlie, she will say nothing or okay. <laughs> yeah, but again, Jack, Ends of the spectrum. Jack, Jack gets, I mean, he's very emotional and I'm, I'm, uh, I feel good about that because I think later in life, cause I was, I, if I ever had any issues growing up, I would, I was so comfortable just going to my mom mm -hmm. yeah, and my dad, but my mom was just home more and talking to her about any issues that I had, whatever it was. And I got that from her and I want Jack and hopefully Charlie will eventually get this, but it, I want that to be the case with them where they know like where they're going to, where their safety friends, not the, yeah. or some other outlets, you know, where that's why a lot of young drinking and drug use comes into place because you're just numbing feelings and things and um, absolutely yeah so we've got one kid that's super <laughs> empathetic and our one first kid. first child who's also a covid baby has oh. has all the feels yeah but, yeah so i do this uh thing at the end of the podcast this thing where i ask you these exit questions they're sort of like fast in the sense that it's just instinctual i like what, these it's rapid, rapid fire, fire. You do? Yeah. They're rapid fire. They're rapid yeah. fire. But you can you can give me more than one word, okay. but it's just like see what what comes to you. All right, you ready? ready. And, okay. <laughs> and you're both gonna, Mina's like, if you could see Mina, she's like on the edge of her seat. Uh, what does true intimacy look like to you? My I first thought it was communication, which doesn't sound super sexy, but hmm. like being able for me, because that's the hardest thing. Like, sex is easy. That's hard for me. True intimacy. I would say authentic desire. For me, I can always tell if Mina's like, sure. Phoning it in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, and sometimes that's just what has to happen. But <laughs> when there's, like, authentic desire on both ends, I think... That's true intimacy. Mm. Authentic desire. I love that. I never heard that before. Why do you think we are so obsessed with sex? Because we're just monkeys. <laughs> we're just monkeys. We're just monkeys. Throwing shit at each other. Yeah, we're just monkeys sex. grooming each other, right? Like that's <laughs> like the truest sign of um, submission and um, I want to please you. And that's, you know, I mean, that's what we are. It, I think, I think, yeah, probably like at core core, I think um, the whole world of social media has just like sexual, I like it, it's just so many things um, that now everyone, that everyone sees and knows everything. And I, so I think that has kind of glamorized the sex. I don't know the mm -hmm. conversation around it. Like what's sexy, what's not like, I mean, Lord knows what, how confusing porn has made it for so many people about what it actually should look right, like or can. Right. But I think that like idea of public consumption of it um, 
instead of being just something that's a conversation between the people it matters about like what is what does it look like for us what are our feelings what are the things we like doing instead it's this well i saw this happen this way and it looked really sexy when so and so did this this way um that just kind of like muddies the water right what's something in your after we talked about so many afters in this actually but what's something in your after that you're still working on everything everything that's there you go yeah steve i'm thinking about the question um so like what's something that in the future i'm working on no like for for the after like so for me uh mine would be like what what was something in my after having been a breast cancer survivor so so we did touch on so many different things so it's a little more open-ended but uh (laughs) with everything that you've been through, if if you want to take it to the infertility, but there's so much more. Uh, Because I think in our world, people go through things and then people can be like with you for like a month or two. And then everybody thinks, okay, you're good. Like I know that with me, with my cancer, right? Like I was done. I had my surgeries. I'm back out in the world. So it's over. But To me, it's never over. Yeah. No, there's a death. You get a casserole train for two weeks and then you move on. Did you say a casserole train? (laughs) That's right. That's right. So uh, the reason for me the podcast is so important is no one really talks about the after. Yeah, that's a good question. That's why I'm trying to take my time. Um, You can take your time. I give exceptions. Yeah, dead air on a podcast is lovely. It's fine. Um, it's actually fine. It's, yeah. it's honest air. Um, I think that I'm already a, like a really empathetic person. Like, I'll use the cliche like like Hallmark movie. You know, like a like Hallmark. Over, to me, I'd be like he's overly empathetic. Yeah, sometimes. like I'm over. Like if I see somebody struggling, it hurts me. And. Um, I'm not trying to work on that. What I, I think everybody's struggling. Everybody's struggling with something, and just remembering that daily. Like when I go to pick up the kids at school every day, I'm typically annoyed by something that somebody is doing. Driving stupid, parking stupid. And what I try to stuff. remind myself is that. I, they're struggling with something. Mm. That does help. Not, yeah. Yeah. Maybe not like in that direct moment they're struggling with that something, but no matter what, they're struggling with something deep down somewhere. Everybody. You pass a hundred people on the street, a hundred people are struggling. They're just like giving grace. But- yeah, I mean, like, just remembering that, though. But I think that's why, again, back to me doing my podcast and you doing your podcast and having these conversations, no one really talks about this. So we basically just see all the pretty. I do think this is why people are are, are, are more have a more difficult time because we only see the pretty. And if no one's talking about what's really happening, people think they're alone and they're the only one. Mm-hmm. They think no one else feels that way. It's just me. Yeah. And that's a dangerous place to be. Very. Yeah. A lot of times if I used to be worse, but if I go down 
rabbit hole of like negative comments on some of Mina's Instagram posts. I, I'll, I just want to be like, who hurt you? Hmm. Hurt people, hurt people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hurt people, hurt people. And just remembering that, I think for, for me is important. And I, you know, I'll tell Mina, like, make, not everybody's lost, like, their best friend, their mom, their dad, their sister in a matter of, like, a few years. But for some people, losing their dog is, like, the end of the world. And, yes. And there's, we're not, we're not, we, there's no need to compare. That's right. Right? Your hurt is just as strong as my hurt. Yeah, and I think that's really important because some people will go, oh, well, I haven't been through what you went through. So I, I feel bad saying this to you. And it's like, no, it's yours. That's how you feel. And, and that means as much as what I feel. It yeah. is the comparing. It, it, yeah. it, 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 it is the comparing. When I was um, going through cancer, I didn't have chemo or radiation. And I went to a support group where everybody did have chemo and radiation. I never went back, but uh -huh. I felt... <laughs> I felt guilty. I, I had a moment of going, well, I'm losing my breast to cancer and I lost my mother to cancer, but I quite haven't suffered like these other people. Mm. Right? It's yeah. like that comparing of pain. Yeah. Steve's eyes are spinning. But I can see you thinking. Yeah, I can yeah think. no, that's interesting. It's almost... It's, it's the idea of the struggle. Like they've earned the right to fill in the blank. It's like if you've had a kid, you've earned the right to have a tummy tuck. If you you know, went through chemo, they earned the right to be there and, and, and air their grievances that, and you didn't earn that right enough because you didn't go through chemo. So it's just this like, but that was coming from me that yeah. like, I felt that. Yeah. Um, so like you haven't struggled enough to be able to, to be, to earn a place there. And I think right. for some reason, we just have this idea that like, it has to be hard and whoever has it the hardest is the most like admirable person. And that's just not, it's not it's, how it shakes out in real life. It's kind of like survivor's guilt is what you're correct explaining. Yeah. Yeah, it's like whoever suffers the most wins. Yeah. It's pretty messed there, up. There, right? There's not there's 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 nothing to like win. No one's winning then. <laughs> no 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 one's winning. Yeah. Um what is something people would be shocked to learn about what you went through? I think people would just be shocked just the the version of me that most people know and is very palatable and pleasant um while is who i am now my life growing up i think a lot of people oh. see me as you know my dad was a doctor my mom was a lawyer like i i went to a good school i went to college then i you know got my own tv show and i'm rich and i have kids and you know some of those things are true some of them there aren't but there's also way more things that go into like me being the person I am that aren't pretty and that no one will ever know about because I'll never talk about. Um, and I think that kind of goes into what Steve's saying with like giving people grace. Like you don't know people's experiences, even if you think you do, even if like I am very, very open and there's still some things that aren't meant to be shared and aren't going to be shared. Um, and if they were, maybe you wouldn't say the mean thing because then you'd feel sorry for me. And that's kind of messed up. But I think just that whole picture, if everyone can kind of keep that in mind more that like 
there's so much more than what you see for anyone. Mm -hmm. So judging people and we just can't trust what we see anymore with AI, (laughs) you know, that, that just that idea of giving grace, I think people would be, I'm kind of the villain in a lot of people's stories sometimes. And I think I wouldn't be maybe a little more. I'm shocked to hear that you're the villain in people's stories. I watch you on HGTV. You're just so cheery and happy. I love, I, I was watching with my, my roommate yesterday. You just pick up, you, I I was like, my God, she, I don't even know what the instruments are called, but you pick something (laughs) up and you you tear down a wall. I'm like, look at her go. Yeah. And I, and I loved like, I probably am happy in that moment. And you know, I look cheery, but, um, just with the show ending and all the the fallout from that, it's yeah. it's changed uh, what people think of me. I think. So. And is that how is that for you? It's hard um, because it just it's very quickly you can see how like fair weather fans people are um everyone was you know loved loved the show it was filling so many needs for so many people and one of the things for me that really was like that I could hang my hat on because sometimes it feels like you're a dancing monkey when you're making a tv show but I would have women who came up to me and were in chemo in the hospital and would watch my show and like you got me through chemo or I sat with my mom while she was dying for six months in hospice and we watched your show together and it was our bright light in the day. Like those things are, that's, I, I, this is like the most amazing and saddest thing to hear in the world, but that the show has the power to do that for people and shows in general TV, like, cause me, we don't really watch TV. So I don't understand that in my brain, how it could have that much of an, an impact or effect on someone. Um, and now that kind of that's not there anymore, it's just this weird dynamic because I am trying to be open about it. And, you know, I, I love what I did. I love the show. And there's all these other things that I've not been able to be or talk about or say to respect that part of my life. But now we're kind of rolling into a new part and it's not that version anymore. Like no one's going to say, you know, my mom and I bonded together over listening about your vibrator episode on your podcast. Right. It's, it's just a little different. And change is not always easy. No, people hate change. It's very uncomfortable for everyone that's part of it. But I also think, I always say this, that we don't grow when we're comfortable. No. Well, I'm very uncomfortable this last year. So. <laughs> well, there's lots of growing me. But we're don't you think Don't growing. you think that's when we grow up? We grow when yeah. we're uncomfortable. It's 100%. the only time that you do grow. Yeah. It is. Yeah. You have to it go is. through discomfort, yeah. period, period. Right. Oh. And I do think that's... Do you remember Yeah, I remember the question. Do you remember... Um, <laughs> I think for me would be that I was like the anchor at my mom and dad's funerals. Will you agree? As far as like just coordinating speeches. Yeah. uh, And again, Jordan Peterson has a quote. Obviously, I, I didn't know this quote until recently but he said 
you have to be the strongest person at your father's funeral. Mm -hmm. May I ask what your father's name is? Uh, Richard. Rick. Just because we keep talking about him and I. Yeah, Rick. Rick. Yeah, he was a good dude. Yes. He was he was one of the good ones. Uh, it's just, I mean, any loss, of course, is, is, is awful, but um, I mean, he fell down the stairs, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like it was a nine-month process in the hospital that we watched. Well, and there's a lot of, there probably still is, but definitely was a lot of guilt earlier on because Steve's mom had passed away about six months before that, and I think we all knew, like, Rick was ride or die. He would follow Sally down any rabbit hole, and if that rabbit hole was not being on this earth anymore, he would do that. Right. And we were trying to get him to move in with us and spend more time with us, you know, maybe, like, be here in the apartment. And, you know, he just wanted to be home by himself, and I think much with his sister, there was a lot of, like, if we had pushed harder, if we had done this, maybe this wouldn't have happened, which is all terrible to let your brain even wander there but yeah, um, it just particularly steve's dad and sister felt like it was so preventable if we had tried harder even though we know that's probably not true it just it fucks with you yeah so i'm actually going to start with steve because i think this question will uh piggyback onto what i just asked what is something you would say to someone going through what you went through or what you are going through? Um, just like everything else, everything, everything, this too shall pass. And my, that was something that my mom <laughs> used to tell me all the time. I think the first time she like ever told me was when I went through like my first like high school breakup, you know, and it was child kid love and the end of the world, you know, we've all oh, experienced yeah. that. And I remember her saying this too shall pass. I'm going to cut the first girl that hurts Jack. It's going to be ugly. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I'm like, my sweet, sensitive little boy, some girl is going to rip his heart out, and then she's going to have to die. <laughs> and that's the way to end this podcast. And that's how Mina ended up in jail. <laughs> there, yeah. and, and there you go. Yeah. I, I'm so deeply moved by talking to the two of you. My heart is so open and full. It's been... Yeah, probably not the podcast either of us thought we were going to end up on, and it's probably I better. Right? I, I, I really didn't know where this – like, I, I knew – because, like I said, I, I did a lot of research, and I, I read a lot about you, and I just wanted to leave it open to where it was meant to go. And, and I really believe that your openness <laughs> – will really be so helpful for so many people. That's the hope. Yeah.
That's the hope, right? Even if it's just one. Just one. Yeah. Even if it's just one. Sex After is hosted by me, Amy Marks, and is produced by Chris DeRosa. If you enjoy the show, I'd love to hear from you. DM me on Instagram at Amy Marks and Sex After Podcast, or send me a message on my website at amymarks.com. And please follow, rate, and review the show and help us spread the word. Until next time. <laughs>